Hello, everyone. You are listening to In the Weeds with Monica Jean, an agriculture podcast. Welcome back to In the Weeds with Monica Jean. Uh, Monica here again, field crops educator based out of the Saginaw Bay region. I'm here with Christy Sprague. She's uh, based out of campus and she specializes in uh, weeds. And so we're going to talk today about cover crops and some herbicide recommendations. And then at the end, a little bit about carryover herbicide uh, recommendations as well. Or maybe actually avoidance. would would be for that carryover issue. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, Christy. Thanks, Monica. Uh, Again, this is Christy Sprague. I'm the weed scientist here at Michigan State University, Um, mostly focusing on weed control and some of our agronomic crops. Myself and uh, Dr. Aaron Burns share that responsibility and really happy to be here today to kind of talk about some of the stuff we've been doing, um, particularly in regards to cover crops. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. I just also want to mention this is being recorded over a platform called Zoom. I apologize if it sounds a little different, but we're not allowed to do live recordings right now due to a virus. So just please bear with us if the audio does sound a little goofy. Let's get started with talking about cereal rye. I think that's a common one we use, you know, planting in the fall, overwintering. Um, What are your recommendations for termination? So yeah, cereal rye is probably, I would say, one of our most common ones, and we've actually been doing quite a bit of work with cereal rye to see if we can help uh, suppress some of those weeds like uh, mare's tail, and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. But as far as recommendations, a lot of times we want to make sure that we get good control of cereal rye, and um, when we start thinking about what crops we're going to plant, that can also help determine when we want to make those applications. In general, a lot of times we want to make sure that we are able to terminate that cereal rye. Um, usually, I'd like to say 10 to 14 days, a couple weeks before planting corn. And a lot of that really has to do with potential for insect issues like seed corn maggot. As those cover crops like cereal rye start to decay, um, that's really um, when a lot of those insects can come in and be problems. It's tasty. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, really. I mean, they're looking for something to eat and that stuff's decaying. It's great. Um, the other issue is, you know, you can see some allelopathic effects. It's probably not as much of an issue as what we see with some of the insect issues that can happen with termination. Um, in general, we've had really good luck controlling or terminating cereal rye with just glyphosate. So any of the glyphosate type herbicides that are out there, uh, generally I would say use at least a minimum of what would be 32 ounces of PowerMax or um, or even slightly higher. But we've had really good luck with that. Pretty interesting. We did some timing stuff and we've had really good luck with just 32 ounces of something like Roundup PowerMax. Uh, we've went up to 44 and not seen much difference. So that's probably what I would say. In regards to soybeans, we've done some stuff where we've terminated just before planting, um, at planting, and then we can talk about some of the planting green stuff that we've done. But in general, we've had really good luck. You know, there are some of those concerns with some of the insects, but probably not as big of an issue as what we might see in corn. Yeah. And and since you just brought that up, so if you are planting green, which I think soybeans is our more common crop that we'd be um, planting green in, 
uh, or with, I should say, what are your recommendations for that system? So we've actually done some stuff over the last couple of years trying to see if by planting green, you know, obviously trying to get more biomass to suppress some of those weeds, particularly mare's tail. And we've done some stuff where we've included some burn down, just glyphosate only. We've done some stuff where we've tank mixed some 240 in there to help control some of the other weeds. And we've also looked at some uh, residuals in there to help with longer season control of mare's tail. And in general, we've had very good success in termination. Again, uh, 32, um, maybe up to 42 ounces of glyphosate, depending on the size of it. But in general, we've had good luck, even when we've tank mixed some of the burn down herbicides, like potentially 240 if you're in an enlist system or dicamba in an extend system, and then including some of those residuals, like, uh, for example, metribuzin or metribuzin plus valor. We can see that you might see a little bit of initial antagonism, but usually by 14 days, that cereal rye is, is gone. So sometimes it may be a little bit longer, especially when you're tank mixing with something like metribuzin, but um, it really has worked well um, as far as burn down. Now, um, I know we just we're talking about planting green. Um, I just want to back up. We do not want to use any of the residual herbicides if we are planting green. We would want to make sure that those are applied before the soybean crop is up. So for planting green, generally we could say, okay, you could use glyphosate to burn down that cereal rye. If you're looking to help get some control of something like mare's tail, if you're in an Enlist system, you can use the Enlist 1 or Enlist Duo, which is the choline salt of 240 that could be tank mixed and applied after the soybeans are planted and starting to come up. And then um, if you are in an Extend system, you could tank mix that with Dicamba, the, the registered Dicamba products like Extendamax, uh, Fexapan, or Ingenia. So that would give us another a way to help burn down those herbicides as maybe and especially with the dicamba, maybe getting you some a little bit of residual control. Um, with the planting green stuff that we've done, typically over the last couple of years, we've uh, sprayed a week to two weeks after planting those soybeans and planting green. We do have a guide that has been created. I believe it's on the MSU's Cover Crop Team's webpage. It might also be on your website as well, but it's termination with cover crops in mind it's a bulletin is it four pages long i think yeah and it's um actually i think it's msu ecc01 so um and it's called cover crop termination and um that was produced by uh dr aaron hill and myself and uh really talks about uh some of the different uh cover crop species that are out there and there's a nice chart in the back that really lists out some of the different termination herbicides that you can use and what effectiveness you might find. So there are a few of these different cover crops out there that might be a little bit harder to control. You might want to think about having some uh, different uh, tank mixtures or pre-mixtures used. In particular, if we've got things like clover out there, maybe glyphosate by itself isn't the best. Maybe we want to try to get some 240 or dicamba in there. And depending on what your platform is, especially on soybeans, you may have to wait a while before you plant. So for example, if you're just using Roundup Ready soybeans, if you want to use 240 and you burn down, depending on the amount that you use and what type of formulation, you might have to wait anywhere from 30 to possibly seven days before planting. And again, a lot of that depends on there. But those recommendations are in there, as well as some of the other herbicides that you might be able to use. So it try to 
kind of outlines, you know, what are options and what might you expect from effectiveness because some of these cover crops are maybe a little bit harder to control. I would say this last or this spring, um, just because I don't know if a lot of cover crops got out there planted in a timely fashion, they may not be as hardy as what we're used to. So mm -hmm. I know the last couple of years it's been a little bit difficult to get some of these covers planted and you know waking up this morning and seeing that white stuff outside uh, wasn't ready for that <laughs> what that, happened yeah that snow on uh march 23rd so i'm sure that'll melt pretty soon but hopefully be able to get out in the field soon and start working on things so yeah so when you have when you talk about general recommendations i know we were just talking about cereal rye are those some pretty good general recommendations for grass in general and yeah, and in general, um, glyphosate generally works well for most of our grasses. Um, one of the kind of sometimes more harder ones to control would be annual ryegrass. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of those ones where everybody kind of goes, uh, you know, do I want to even plant this? But in general, really what has to happen is that annual ryegrass has to be really actively growing. Let's make sure that we have temperatures above 50 degrees for at least three days in a row to make sure that it's growing. And a lot of people think, hey, I have to mow my lawn a couple times before I'm able to control this. So glyphosate has worked pretty well. It doesn't hurt to increase that glyphosate rate a little bit. There's actually been some work out of uh, Purdue that had done some stuff where they were looking at um, annual ryegrass termination and thinking about mare's tail being out there at the time and knowing that we have a lot of, well, pretty much mare's tail is going to be glyphosate resistant so yeah. really thinking about again putting something like sharpen in there and they've had good luck with sharpen methylated seed oil glyphosate making sure that glyphosate rate is high and the other thing i want to mention is when we're talking about glyphosate we really recommend including ammonium sulfate the only mm -hmm. exception to that would be is the tank mixes with some of the dicamba formulations that's probably the the one caveat that i would say is make sure that you're following labels um as far as you know there are certain things like if you're using extendamax or fexpan or ingenia you do not want to include ammonium sulfate but everything else i would say is it's fine okay uh, do you have any general recommendations like that for brassicas and legumes then or I think with brassicas and legumes, a lot of times we need to be thinking about um, including probably a growth regulator in there, whether it's dicamba or 240 to help with um, the glyphosate for control. Because sometimes, particularly with some of the clover species, we don't necessarily get as good a control with just plain glyphosate. So um, we have a lot of those recommendations in that guide. So I think it's a good idea to either go to the Cover Crop Council website and print those off, or you can go to our uh, msuweeds.com and get those recommendations. But um, it's a pretty good table and you can pretty much see most of the cover crop species that we're using in Michigan. So up to now, we've pretty much talked about single species and how to deal with them. But I, I do know we have farms that do grow mixtures and some of them do grow um, winter kill mixes. So obviously, unless we have a weird winter, we don't we don't worry about any type of herbicide control with those. Um, but if they're growing like a hardy mixture, like an annual ryegrass, dwarf Essex rape, in a crimson clover is there other things they should be considering so i think the key thing is is like for example a lot of these are going to have annual ryegrass and they're really talking about timing that correctly making sure that that annual ryegrass is actively growing 
the other thing we need to think about is some of these other ones may I mean it may take a little while but we want to make sure that we control them before they produce seed I'm not too worried about it this spring but as if for some reason we get delayed we want to make sure that those are taken care of before that um, the other thing we would really want to think about is with a lot of these mixtures again probably just not glyphosate is going to be the only thing you want to use I would include thinking about putting a growth regulator herbicide in there whether it's 240 or dicamba and then again making sure that you know what uh, your planting restrictions are based on the amount of those products that you use or what soybean trait that you're using or potentially corn so those are a few things that I would consider Okay. Another system that we recommend often because our season is short, and so sometimes getting in and planting that cover crop can be a challenge, is interseeding. And so I do hear from our farmers that they're, you know, it's like a trial and error right now, trying to figure out what they could possibly interseed sometimes into their systems and what type of um, herbicide they happen to use in that program because they just hadn't, you know, figured it out. Uh, yet. So do you have recommendations like what to avoid for them? Dr. Karen Renner and myself had a graduate student, Aaron Brooker, um, who just worked on looking at interseeding several cover crops into corn. And one of the things he looked at was what herbicides can we possibly use either as a soil applied product or an early post and then still be able to interseed some of these different crops and which ones would survive. Um, from that research, we've got a, a one-page or basically a two-page fact sheet called Herbicide Options for Cover Crops Interseeded in Corn that is actually in the back of the MSU Weed Control Guide, the 2020 version of that. And that can be found on our website, msuweeds.com. It's also a single PDF that's on there in color. And then really the, the two main cover crops that worked really well as far as some of the work that we did was annual ryegrass and also tillage radish. And we've got some very specific recommendations of herbicides that should not be used or could be used. And that's in there. Uh, we also tried to do some stuff with clovers and really didn't get very good clover establishment. So don't feel very strongly with those recommendations, but it really kind of outlines some of the different herbicides that we can use. Just a couple highlights, you know, when we think about seeding something that has annual ryegrass in there, a lot of our, what we consider our uh, soil applied grass herbicides or small broadleaf herbicides, like things like dual harness, outlook, Zijua, if we did some inner, we applied those and then we interseeded either at V3 or V6 corn, uh, we just did not good in, get good annual ryegrass establishment. So from that standpoint, um, those options are kind of out as far as potential herbicides that could be used. So fact sheet does list a lot of the herbicides that we can use and when you could potentially do some interseeding. So, and that's one of the, the tougher strategies because we're looking at trying to make sure we have good weed control, but we want to make sure we have good cover crop establishment too. So those are just kind of a couple things we need to, to think about. Is there any herbicides like with really long um, residuals that could affect seeding at the end of a season of a crop or is that typically not an issue? Um, many times we're okay if we put something on, let's say early in the season and let's say we're doing flyover of cereal rye. Mm -hmm. Many times we're, we're all right with many of the herbicides that we're using, but let's say you're putting on a later application of 
something like harness, you might see a, a decrease later in the season of that, that cereal rye that was interseeded. So those are just a couple things to keep in mind. And not only looking at these recommendations based on cover crops, but in the back of the weed control guide, we do have the rotation restrictions table. And that's really a good place to look at and see what herbicides have some longer residual activity that might affect cover crops that are seeded later in the season. We've done some work where we've done some pre-herbicides and soybeans and seeded cereal rye, radish, uh, also some clover and have really had some good results. And, and many times those herbicides pretty much gone by the time we're doing some of those se uh, seedings after harvest. So those are a couple things just to think about. But again, look at the labels, look at crop rotation restrictions. And then there are a few different uh, sources out there that have some good information on cover crop tolerance to certain herbicides. Okay. The last thing I kind of wanted to talk about is cover crops like as weed control. So have you guys done any work assessing, you know, uh, how a cover crop could assist in the suppression of some of these problem weeds that we have? I would say probably one of the benefits that we have from a uh, weed control standpoint is really looking at suppression of a lot of our winter annual weeds. And then in particular, over the last couple of years, we've had some funding by, from the Michigan Soybean Promotion Committee, as well as Project Green, looking at using cereal rye as a uh, method to help manage glyphosate resistant uh, mare's tail or horseweed. And we've had some pretty good results as far as helping suppress it. It is not going to be the only thing. We still will need herbicides that have some effectiveness. We do see some benefits to having that cereal rye cover crop out there. And where we're seeing some greater benefits is when we're doing some planting green. And a lot of that really has to do with the increased biomass. If we were able to get some of the cereal rye planted earlier and getting some good biomass established earlier in the season, probably even like terminating it prior to planting would work well. But a lot of it's making sure that we get good biomass. And we've done some comparisons of cereal rye and winter wheat in that capacity at a couple different seeding rates. Generally, they both work pretty well, but I would probably give a slight advantage to the cereal rye. And then we've looked at using either 60 or 120 pounds planted. And if we're planting green, it really doesn't matter from a, from a seeding rate standpoint. Oh, okay. Our, well, is there anything else, Christy, then, that folks should consider in their herbicide programs and using cover crops? I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, when you're using cover crops, make sure you get them terminated. Um, a lot of times, if you don't get them terminated, sometimes they can be very difficult to manage once the, the crop is planted. Uh, that's really important. And then usually, again, we're, we're still messing with planting green, and there's a lot of people that have had quite a bit of experience with it. But uh, in general, the cereal rye has worked fairly well, and it's just making sure that we can get out, get it terminated. So yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Monica. This podcast has been brought to you by the MSU Extension Field Crops Team. For more podcasts or information, please visit us at canr.msu.edu backslash field underscore crops. Thanks for listening.